Hello, and welcome to Fiduciary Talk, brought to you by FI360. I'm Dwayne Thompson, Senior Policy Analyst at FI360, and I'm joined by Blaine Aiken, Executive Chairman. Welcome, Blaine. Well, thank you very much, Dwayne. It's good to be here. Um, today, we're going to look at reverse churning and how the Department of Labor addresses the problem under its new fiduciary rule. Blaine, I'd like to begin by asking you a basic question. What is reverse churning? Well, reverse churning, uh, as the term would suggest, is the opposite of excessive trading in a brokerage account. Uh, in both cases, these are illegal practices because they're designed uh, to pad an unethical advisor's wallet. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, reverse churning occurs when an advisor places the client's assets in an advisory account, uh, charges an ongoing management fee, and they get paid for not doing enough uh, for the, the services that, uh, not providing enough services to justify the compensation that comes in on that fee basis. You know, and this, uh, the first occurrence of uh, reverse churning really came to light around 2005 uh, when the SEC adopted an exemption permitting brokers to accept uh, fee-based compensation. Uh, and in subsequent sweeps of the, of the fee-based brokerage accounts by FINRA, it found that not only was there widespread absence of trading activity, but also there was this double dipping in which the brokers charged commissions for investment products that were then subsequently placed in uh, fee-based accounts. Uh, that, that first part, when we talk about these so-called fee-in-lieu of commission accounts, those have gone by the wayside. And in fact, Dwayne, uh, you had a hand in that with respect to your role at the Financial Planning Association at the time, right? Uh, that's true. I, I, I do. It seems hard to believe that was uh, 12 years ago, but uh, uh, that's the case. And, and I guess in a, a way, we were surprised uh, when I was at FPA uh, because I hadn't heard of the term reverse churning. And, uh, and then uh, uh, that, uh, those sweeps uh, provided some substantive information that it certainly was a problem. Well, now we've got the DOL uh, likely to look at this issue. Uh, because of the change in the, the definition or the five-part test of, uh, of who is uh, held accountable as a fiduciary, uh, with that loophole being closed and uh, whereby essentially anybody who gives personalized advice to uh, ERISA retirement investors or uh, those who are seeking rollover advice or advice on their IRA assets, uh, we're going to be in a situation where potentially there's uh, – there's going to be a big move to uh, to level fee compensation away from uh, variable comp because the, there is that, as you know, onerous uh, best interest contract exemption that would allow variable comp, but we think a lot of people are going to try and avoid that by going to the level fee arrangement. And that could very well result in people trying to, uh, well, there being situations where uh, commissions may have been earned whenever products were placed, uh, but if it's a static account and uh, you're not going to be providing a lot of monitoring or ongoing service, uh, it really would not be in the best interest of the client uh, perhaps to move over into a fee-based account. So this has got the DOL a bit concerned about uh, doing the right thing through this rule but having an unintended consequence of maybe setting things up for potential uh, reverse turning issues. 
Well, Blaine, it certainly looks like the Department of Labor looked at that uh, as a potential problem. So uh, what exactly do they say about reverse churning uh, in, in the new rule? Because, you know, it just seems like uh, in the past regulators were always talking about, well, it's better to have a fee-based account to align the client's interest and the brokers together and so forth. But they almost seem to be taking a different tact in, in, under the new rule. Well, they do. They, you know, they don't say a whole lot overtly about uh, reverse churning. There's really only uh, one kind of obscure reference to reverse churning in the uh, the thousand pages of the rules that are out there. Uh, but it but it is an important concept that the DOL does indicate uh, that you need to pay attention to. Um, that's because they while they realize that the whole idea of a level fee arrangement is uh, designed to align the clients and the, and the advisor's best interest. It's, it's also concerned about the, the fact that, I, as I mentioned, that you do have a situation where people are probably going to be moving out of the variable compensation arrangements uh, into the, the, uh, the uh, level fee arrangements. And that kind of lays the foundation there for, um, for potential of churning. So what they basically said was, you know, it's a fiduciary act uh, to recommend that someone change that account type from a brokerage account to an advisory account, and uh, therefore uh, you could end up with a uh, with the regulatory issue if you really don't uh, do your homework and make sure that the advice you're giving is in the best interest of the client. So what you're saying then is that the Department of Labor is in effect waving a red flag and saying, be careful. Uh, and they, they do mention, in addition to just the, the basic rollover from a 401k to an IRA, they, the DOL also mentioned specifically switching clients, another kind of rollover from a brokerage to a fee account, and they're waving a, a big red flag under this level fee exemption. Uh, can you give us uh, an example of uh, what a broker might do? Let's say they have two clients uh, with brokerage accounts. One's an actively traded account. The other's inactive, maybe, you know, mostly cash and bonds. And uh, the broker's thinking, or the, either that or the client's thinking about a, a switching an account from uh, brokerage to fee or wrap account. And what, what does the uh, broker have to think about in terms of suitability if you have these two different kinds of brokerage accounts? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a good question, and I think the example you use is, is a good one, too, where you uh, drew a stark contrast between an actively traded account and one that's uh, maybe more static, uh, perhaps largely uh, invested in cash and bonds. So with an actively traded account, well, you know that there's going to be the need for services, that there are not only those transactions, that there's more volatility, uh, there's more oversight required, probably more regular meetings, uh, lots of activities that would suggest that ongoing advisory care is required. And so that's pretty well suited to a fee-based type of account or level fee uh, arrangement. The other one where you've got static investments, largely things have been put in place, uh, maybe they've been put there with uh, compensation already having been paid uh, to the advisor in the form of uh, loads, for example, uh, so in that situation, uh, you'd have to think very carefully before moving into a fee-based arrangement. Uh, rather, it may be more in the client's best interest to 
uh, stay put. And now that would require that the um, that the broker uh, become a an, a an advisor, take on fiduciary status uh, for this account, uh, and enter into that best interest contract in order to. Um, um, still be able to provide advice uh, in compliance with the new DOL rule. So do you think, uh, again, I, I think you mentioned it, that, uh, in the, and we've seen some press about this, predicting what are going to be the changes in industry, and uh, one of them is the fact that there might be a significant migration from brokers to fee accounts uh, as a result of the industry trying to avoid vice. Uh, do you think this that this rule is going to throw a wrench in into that into that migration? You know, I think uh, it will. I think that there, uh, because the DOL has uh, essentially said that any rollover recommendation is a fiduciary act, uh, and any um, any time that you are providing advice in these accounts, like IRAs, at a personalized basis. Um, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts here that need to be examined, and uh, there those who have basically built their business on doing uh, rollovers uh, in a much more uh, systematic and widespread sort of way, they would need to probably slow down a little bit, make sure they do the uh, the analysis to make sure it's in the client's best interest, and and I do think that that'll probably mean fewer rollovers. Uh, but uh, when they happen, they should be better justified from standpoints of the of the client's best interest. So, uh, what's the bottom line here, Blaine? Uh, there's certainly a lesson here, and if you're going to comply with the the department's rule when it goes into effect next year for both brokers and advisors when they're looking at uh, rollover advice. Yeah, I think there's a number of takeaways, and the, the first is that uh, advisors who are going to be working in the retirement space, including working in the space that uh, involves IRAs, they really need to get familiar with the rule. They need to be well-versed on uh, the circumstances that give rise to fiduciary accountability and uh, when that best interest contract exemption is required. Um, and, you know, Dwayne, I've been talking about the best interest contract exemption, and we've been throwing in there the, the level fee exemption as well. Uh, and maybe we should just take a minute to clarify here uh, a little bit further. So what we're talking about, uh, on, the, on the one hand, you can have moving from a brokerage account to a, to a uh, level fee or fee-based account. Uh, there you've got the uh, potential for uh, churning, and if the, if the account is going to be uh, moved in that direction over on the level fee side, uh, you have to be careful to make sure that that was appropriate. Uh, if, the, if the account goes from variable comp to variable comp, uh, then BICE is definitely required, full-blown uh, BICE, and the, the, uh, again, the advisor has to be well-versed on what that BICE requires. The, the level fee exemption occurs whenever while the advisor may be receiving no fee prior to a rollover uh, or a level fee, for example, from a participant that's in a plan that they advise, uh, if they roll it over into an IRA and it's still a level fee but it's a, at a higher overall level, then there does need to be a streamlined version of the BICE. There wouldn't be a contract, for example, uh, so it's a, it's a lot easier. 
but these elements are important for the advisor to understand. And then it's also very important to understand uh, the obligation to make sure that if you are uh, charging a fee on a, uh, on a portfolio, you are responsible for monitoring that account uh, and the services that are being provided for that ongoing fee. Um, when we talk about the making a switch from a brokerage to a fee account, you know, it's important to compare services that would be provided uh, in the new account versus the old, uh, compare the fees between the two, including any recent commission transactions that might have taken place, uh, then decide why the overall change is best for the client, and document the, the entire decision-making process that led to that recommendation. So it's a uh, you know, this is all part of adhering to prudent investment practices as a whole, uh, and it just heightens the need to make sure that the processes are well regimented and, and well documented. And I would add, uh, this is in a way no different for the level fee advisor who's taking on a new client and the compensation would increase if, if there's a rollover because uh, I would imagine regulators are going to look at the fee and let's say it's a 1% fee and uh, the advise and the, they need to describe what the services are and it could uh, vary <clears throat> range considerably between a straight asset management fee and and other services like financial planning isn't that correct yeah you're exactly right I, that uh, that all comes into play and you know Dwayne whenever we started out we were talking about the the fact that um, Reverse churning has actually been around for quite a while, um, and we probably should close by saying it, it, it's not just in uh, the DOL accounts where these things are still, or the ERISA or retirement accounts that are uh, these things are still a concern. It was you know only last March that the SEC charged the uh, three AGI AIG rather affiliates uh, for reverse churning, and uh, there was a finding in that program where they failed to monitor wrap fee accounts uh, on a quarterly basis uh, and exercise a policy that they had in place regarding inactive account review. Uh, so in that circumstance where the clients were refunded about $1.2 million as part of a larger settlement. So it's, uh, it's on the SEC's radar. radar. Uh, FINRA has it on their examination priorities and now we have the DOL coming into the picture because the, the new rule brings this into the retirement space. Well, Blaine, uh, it's it certainly, this is, as we know, an old issue that's come to light uh, with a new rule. And uh, so I, I appreciate the new insights uh, into reverse churning that uh, we're looking at now. So I uh, appreciate your uh, insights on this issue. Thanks, Dwayne. It's a pleasure being with you, as always. Thank you.